Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. My name is Michael Lejeune. I will be your host today on Game Changers. Right now, I want to get right into the show by welcoming our guest, Judy Bratt. Judy is regarded as one of America's top federal business experts. She's an author, a speaker, and CEO of Summit Insight. Judy, please take a minute to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your company. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for inviting me. How great to be on Game Changers. You're doing a great series here. For 28 years, I've been working with over 5,000 people in wanting more success in the federal market and helping them get there. Whether your focus is IT, professional services, construction, or a specialized niche or product or service, I'm just passionate about giving people the insight and the skills you need to focus and connect with the people who need to know you and like you and are the ones who are going to choose you to help deliver their federal agency's mission. It's both incredibly complex, but it can be a lot easier. And that's what I'm all about. So I'm here to share some of that insight and the keys to connection you're going to need for the federal success you want. Yeah, you know, I, I love the the concept of making federal contracts easier, which is really what your book is about, is, you know, government contracts made easier. So I, I like the concept of making it all easier because you're right. It, it is complex, but it should be easier. So it's that's good stuff that you bring there. And I, the, the topic that we're going to be talking about today is getting in front of federal buyers. So hopefully, as we talk today, it's going to make getting in front of federal buyers easier because, you know, you and I both go to conferences all over the country. And if you're anything like me, one of the first questions you get asked when you get off stage is, hey, how do I get in front of more buyers? Uh, that's People are always wanting to know, how do I get in front of more buyers? So I'd like to just jump right in and discuss what you feel are some of the ways contractors can get in front of buyers. Absolutely. And you're right. It's a the biggest pain point that I discovered when I did some market research with businesses of all sizes in the federal market. That is boils down to their number one challenge. 
one of the biggest misconceptions is that contracting officers can't talk to you. Well, in fact, if you Google the phrase myth buster contracting OPM 2012, you're going to pop out a PDF that the White House issued a memo that says in no uncertain terms and cites the federal acquisition regulations to say that contracting officers are encouraged to meet with vendors to discuss innovation. So isn't that cool? If you're in this market and you're not offering something innovative, I would almost say, what's wrong with you? You've got to be offering something different. If you're just in a commodity market and you're in a race to the price at the bottom, fine. But just about everybody I talk to has got something innovative or different. So that's actually one of the leading things that can get a contracting officer's attention. Hmm. Now, that being said, there are 88,000 federal contracting officers. So how many interpretations of the federal acquisition regulations do you think there are? Probably 88,000, right? That would be right. And so that means that you will meet a contracting officer who will say, I can't talk to you, please go away. Now, there may be a number of reasons for that, including, gee, you're calling them in the middle of September. Duh. If they've never heard of you, they already have other things on their mind. So, of course, they're going to be anxious nine ways to Sunday to not have a conversation with somebody that's going to invalidate the contracting process they're already in the middle of. So pick your timing right. There's a number of other things besides, hi, I have innovation, please talk to me. And so remember that they can find just about any reason to not talk to you if they don't want to. But if you pick your timing right and start to know some of the other right things to say, you've got a legitimate reason why the acquisition regulations support you having that conversation. So don't go in waving the acquisition regulations at them because these contracting officers, many of them have master's degrees in the FAR. So the rules are the ones that they interpret in the way they run it in their office. But let that memo help you be a little bit brave and confident as you're going about your business. And you know what? If one of them tells you to get lost, there are 87,999 more to talk to. Right. No, that's exactly right. And and I, I think that's the big point for a lot of people here is understanding, you know, there is a memo from the White House, understanding that, you know, that supports you being able to pick up the phone and reach out and talk to these people. Because I, I, it blows my mind how afraid companies are to call contracting officers. Cause I'm not afraid to do it. You know, when, when we have clients who are like, Oh, I've really been wanting to talk to, you know, someone over at this army command. I'm like, well, pick up the phone. They don't pick up the phone. I'm like, well, I'll pick up the phone and call them and say, Hey, and this, this is one of the things I always come out with is, Hey, I'm brand new to working with you guys. And I just, I just love, you know, five minutes on the phone and just bring their guard down and just have a normal person conversation. And like you said, I wouldn't wave any regulations at them because what does that do? Oh, great. These guys are difficult to deal with. <laughs> you know, they're, they're waving regulations at me before we even talk contracting. This is not going to be a good relationship. And that's what goes on in the back of their mind. It, that would go on in my mind. I mean, that's how I would think about it. So, so I, I love that recommendation right out of the gate of just calling these people because there's, you know, White House approval to go and do it. So what are some of the other ways that you recommend to get in front of these people besides just calling them? You've got to pay attention to who it is that needs what you do 
and what past performance you have that shows them that you've solved their problem for someone who looks just like them yesterday afternoon. Past performance is also a major door opener. And it's not as though you want to bring a list of everything you've ever done since you started your company. You want to cherry pick your examples so that you are showing them examples of projects that resonate with them, Hmm. that based on the research you've done, are similar to the kinds of requirements and settings that where they do business and solve problems. And so that's also important. Be patient. Remember that there are a half a dozen questions that go into the sequence of that initial dance and contact. As you're getting to call up somebody who's never heard of you, they are going to ask you some really basic questions that are designed to just establish in their minds that, yes, you know what you're doing, and yes, you are going to follow the rules and make it easy and make them look good. Those three things are absolutely critical, and that's going to take some patience and a number of rounds of contact. Stay in the game. Because whether you are think of yourself as a relatively new company Or you're an established company and you've been in the market for 20 years. If that contracting officer has never heard of you, then some very, very basic steps are ones you're going to have to be patient with while she develops her trust in you and understands, as you say, that no, this person is not going to be a problem. Yes, they get it. Yeah, they know I've already got somebody else that I'm doing business with now. And have some small ideas for things to talk about as you get to know them. So be patient, but stick with it, stick with it. And the stick with it is one of the things that really derails people. It can take between eight and 15 instances of contact. And that's not just an email blast. That's a phone message, a conversation, maybe, oh my goodness, an actual meeting, lots of contact development and relationship development before you get the first nibble, the first chance to do maybe a small project or something. And so it's that length of time to stay in the groove and stay focused that you've got to be tightly focused to do that because you cannot be developing that kind of sequence and intensity of contact with 5,000 contacts all at once. So focus or go broke. Yeah, no, no, I really like that. I like focus or go broke. That's a good one. And I I like the thought of being patient and Again, not to beat the dead horse if you're listening to podcast after podcast with us, but every guest is reiterating the same point about being patient, being patient. You know, this isn't like the commercial space where you can make a few phone calls on Friday and have a contract on Monday in in most cases. So you really do have to be patient and just understand there's, you know, there's regulations, there's rules they have to follow. Uh, There's a lot involved in winning these contracts. And if you're super patient about it and you are trying to make them look good and solve some of their problems and headaches and the things that keep them up at night, you're going to be in this for the long term. And that's just playing the long game is what I call it. And when you're playing the long game, it's such a, a different strategy than when you're trying to desperately win a contract, you know, by the close of business Friday or the end of the month, it's a, it's a different game. So I really like that, that our guests keep reinforcing that that's good stuff there. So you, you talked about just briefly, some of the basic steps, what, what are some of the basic steps that I can take 
to get a buyer's attention and keep them engaged? Because that that is really what differentiates a lot of people is how do I get their attention and not come across like every other person that's coming across their desk saying, Hey, I can solve your problems. And then once you do grab that attention, it is really keeping them engaged with you for eight, 10, 15, 20, 30 touches. That's going to result in a contract long-term. So, so what are some of those basic steps? I come back to three basic principles. You want to make it easy follow the rules, make them look good. And so be prepared for her initial question. Well, are you registered? Are are you registered to do business with the government? And you got to come back and say in SAM.gov. Yes. So this already tells her, Oh, they know the language. And they'll ask you, do you have a Dunn's number? Don't roll your eyes. Just be patient. Yes, we have a Dunn's number. And then she's going to throw you a curveball. She's going to say, well, are you registered to do business with our agency? Now, this is the point where some contracting office, some contractors say, oh, for the sake of Mike, I am already, what else more do you want? I'm already, relax. This is a test. This is the first test of the emergency contractor system. Now, she's trying to find out whether or not you have researched her agency and have some familiarity with whatever kind of portal or list or system they may have in place because the small business administration negotiates with each agency a small business contracting plan and this list or portal or system that any given buying office or agency has is their way of keeping score with the small business administration that they have made good faith efforts to reach out to lots of small business So when your company registers in their portal or on their list, then you're helping them do their job. And if you don't know where their list is, that's okay. That's the first step of the dance. Because what you want to do is say, oh, gosh, no, where is that? I'd love to do that. Can you send me the link? Let me do that and get back to you right away. Let me get back to you right away. Because this is your first chance to show you get it. You get her that you are responsive, that you're going to turn that around and within 24 hours, you'll come back to her and say, yep, we did it. Okay. What do you think? What could we fine tune? What's next? Yeah, so no, that's, that's super important. Yeah. So that's, um, that's a, that's a first basic tiny little trust builder step. And so you might, um, so don't try to rush everything all at once. You're going to eventually get a sense with this person and their sweet spot between apathy and pestilence, whether or not they like phone or they like email, they like to get back. They want to hear from you every three months. They might or might not want your email newsletter. They are usually receptive to your capability statement. Here's another one. If you've got a capability statement, you can say, hey, we're always trying to do this better. Would you, we're, could you take a look at our capability statement and see what you do differently to make it better? Now, if you do that, first of all, nobody comes to her and says, gee, we'd like your advice on our capability statement. Well, that would be nice because she, her day is full of people saying, hi, I'm a service-disabled veteran-owned woman-owned business in a hub zone. What do you got for me? Can you imagine how awful that is? Mm-hmm. So when you, when you actually are asking for her advice, well, my goodness, isn't that lovely? And you know what else happens when she, when you get, when she gets her, your, you know what else happens when she gets your capability statement? She's got to read it. 
How bad is that? So it's another simple way to get some attention because you're showing up informed. You're asking for advice in a way that most people don't. That's a different way to to get engaged. You're asking for help because your your average govy people are in government service whether they're in for a good time or a long time or both. They love to serve. They actually want to help you. So when you ask them for help, different kind of, hi, what do you got from where you buy my stuff? But when you're asking them for your their help and their guidance and their attention, the more homework and preparation you show you've done, the more you're likely to get back from them in terms of assistance. But they genuinely want to help you. And so you're tugging at their very deep core values and heartstrings. And so it's that ba- that balance between asking for help and showing that you've almost that you've earned a little deeper assistance that makes all the difference. Yeah, no, I, I really like that. And it's one of those things to me, when you call and ask for help, it really, it, it lowers someone's guard. And the natural reaction from any human being on the planet is, oh, they're asking for help. I'd like to help them, you know, and, and it's one of those things where when you ask for help, it, it says a lot of things about your character. You know, I'm not too proud. I'm, you know, I, I'm humble. I'm okay asking for help. And, and it's funny when people say, well, why would you call this agency and act like you don't know what you're doing? Like, cause I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly why I would call them because they're the experts at how sales should happen in their organization. So why wouldn't I call them and ask? And it's, a, it's, it's asking, how do you do things in your agency? Yeah. For example, one of the questions that I have gotten from women-owned small businesses, because there's been some big changes recently that have opened up the provision for sole source. And you would think that sole source is a slam dunk. And let's talk more about this on another podcast. But in short, it's not. It's a lot of work and every and it represents significant risk to mm-hmm. a contracting officer. And so one of the things that I had encouraged any company who's in a program or preference that they're eligible for sole source, not to go in waiving an acquisition regulation and demanding their sole source contract now, but to say, hey, I understand that this program can create sole source opportunities tell me about that. Does your office ever do that? Or I see from the data that your office sometimes does that. It looks really complicated when I look at the rules. Can you tell me whether what your experiences have been with that and how it works? What has to happen for you to do that? Yep. Just the asking, how does it work in your world? Yep. How great is that? Because they are in a complex world. The contracting officers are in a world that they are expected to be perfect. The file has to look perfect. If it's not done just right, worst case, they can go to jail. Now, that doesn't happen very often. But they have auditors and tiger teams and Congress looking over their shoulder every day. So in that environment, is there any wonder that they're apprehensive about some new contractor barging through the door? So it makes a huge difference when you take the time to really show in every way you can, you understand their world and how careful they have to be 
I 100% agree with that. And, you know, to me, it, it says when you open up with how do you do things at your agency and could you educate me on that and whatever other questions, you know, can you help me? I think it just shows that you care enough to ask how it's done there. And like you said, it, it makes you stand out from other contractors who just say, hey, I'm a woman owned. Here's 18 more uh, statuses that I have. Here's all this stuff. Give me money. Because that's what that's what I hear a lot from contractors. They'll say the first thing I hear is uh, a list of statuses, and then what contracts do you have, you know, that I can bid on right now, or or whatever it may be. Like that, that's usually the dance, you know, as, as you refer to it. And I relate that to you know the 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 marriage game, right? You know, you you never go up to a woman, or at least most people shouldn't go up to a woman or a man and say, hey. Um, Let's go ahead and get married. I've got the names of our kids picked out. I know where I want to live, and I know what I want you to do for a li- like. You don't do that. I mean that that. And, but that is how most contractors are approaching a lot of these COs, and it's just not a great way to open up this dance. You know, coming in and being respectful, learning about them just like you would somebody you want to spend time with, because you do want to spend time with this person. And if it all goes well, you're going to be spending a lot of time working on contracts together and you want a really good relationship. So, you know, massaging that first approach to the dance is, is a major, major factor there. So. It is. And it takes time to develop. You were talking about how awkward it can feel. And I remember a couple of friends now, they've been married for about 20 years now, and the fellow was really um, really kind of awkward in getting to getting to know the woman he was meeting. And so he kind of just blurted out on the first date, I have lots of frequent flyer points. Well, as it turns out, he did. He had a ton of them and they both liked to travel and that opened up some yeah. conversation. It was It was kind of funny, but it was definitely not your average conversation. Why that matters is to think about, well, what do I have that could be of interest to right. the person in front of me? Would you join me in uh, in trying to debunk one of the biggest things I see happening in the market? Could we all please stop introducing ourselves by leading with this list of our set-asides? Hi, I'm a service-disabled woman-owned veteran-owned business in a hub zone. Well, great. You've just used up my oxygen and my neurons, and you haven't told me anything about you. Right. Right. Exactly. It's it, We always say, you know, your status is not what you do. It's, it's not what you do. It's not even who you are. It's a part of your company. It's a slight differentiator, but that's not your company. Your status is not your company. So quit saying it, you know, use it on the back end somewhere when it, when it becomes important. So all really, really good stuff there. So a couple of questions I have for you here is, as I know that the time's kind of ticking down on us and I want to get to these, how important is your website to these folks, to the federal buyers? How important is that? Websites are incredibly important important. In a 2012 survey done by a company in Columbia, Maryland, get this, 33% of DOD's contract specialists are under 32 years old. They rely heavily on smartphones and mobile devices, and they go to Google 80% of the time. 92% of the time, they only go to page one for search results. So if you're not set up for millennials, they are expecting a completely different view. Your website is often the first place they're going to go, and they're seeking different kinds of content. They place a high value on things like white papers. They're going to look at modern digital marketing features and capabilities. They're going to be looking at how you differentiate. They're going to be looking for your contract vehicles and your basic information. But white papers 
and webinars are two of the big things that they look at. They're going to look at your website really, really closely. And if your website is not strong or you're not sure whether or not you have all the right stuff, that's something I routinely go through with my clients. There's some a few things, small things that you can change. And in a matter of a few weeks, you can start to have the right stuff there. And that all relates as well to how you engage on social media and build thought leadership. While huge companies have a list of 15 different things they do, even if you're a small company, there's a half dozen or even two or three that you can do easily and quickly. Because if you're in this market, you're smart, you know things, you got past performance, and you probably just need to reuse some of the stuff you've got and present it in the right way. And suddenly you'll pop out in front of your competitors and people can start thinking of you from the beginning when they're going to be building a requirement down the road. No, I, I really like that. And, you know, you talk social media, you talk website. I think one of the fastest things, especially if you're in the commercial and the federal space, is have a government tab. You know, if you're just government, then the whole website is about government, right? But if you are commercial and government, have a government tab. Something right at the top, they can see, you know, it says government, and they can click on it and see the stuff that you were just talking about because a lot of people, they don't have that. And, and I will go to... Uh, I, I've done this before. I've, I've gone in FPDS. I've pulled list of companies and I've gone to their website and nowhere on their website does it say anything about them doing business with the government anywhere. And, and exactly. It, and it blows my mind. I would say 80, 90 percent of the companies that I research don't have anything about their government work. You know, you mentioned contract vehicles and different things like that, that they can put on there, their capability statement. Again, if it's nowhere on there. What does that say to your potential buyer? It says, I'm not serious about your market. Exactly yeah. right. That, that, that's a great point. And that government tableau and that government landing page, when you get there, it says, hey, we get you and we care about you. We care about your world. So here's in one little box everything you need to know about right. us. Right. So the combination of a downloadable capability statement in PDF that has hot links to your GSA schedule and your other contract vehicles, make it easy. Remember, if you remember three things, follow the rules, make it easy, make me look good, hit the easy button. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I was going to say that you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, that your point number two, make it easy, make it easy, make it easy. Like you can't say it enough, make it easy. I mean, there's so many things going on in a contractor's world. If you can make it easy, that's a huge differentiator for a lot of people. So, so really, really important stuff. You also, while we were, while we were talking, you mentioned email a little bit. I, there, I think, and you mentioned the word mythbusters. There's a lot of people that would say email doesn't work. Social media doesn't work. There's a whole list of doesn't work. I, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on when do email blasts work when it comes to federal buyers? And can, and can you do that? You can. Let's be really clear. There's anti-spam provisions, so please pay attention to spam provisions. Do not get a list of federal buyers or a list of federal contracting officers and dump stuff. If you get through their filters at all, they have every reason to complain about you and get you blacklisted. Remember, first of all, you want to be emailing with people you know, permission-based marketing, so you have called them, you have gotten permission, they are, you have had a, you've had a conversation. They are interested in at least hearing from you. 
So remember that you want to email people. Get If you want to do an email blaster campaign, then make sure you've at least had a contact with them in which they've expressed genuine interest in having continuing contact with you. That can happen a couple of ways. There are many different public sources from which you can gather their information. The email houses always have a provision for their subscribers, whether that's Constant Contact or it's um, AWeber or it's MailChimp to say, hey, you promise that you have not just scraped stuff off the internet. And so first of all, make sure you've got permission. Second, make sure that your content is tweaked to pay attention to the things that the contracting officer cares about as distinct from what the end user cares about as distinct from what the program manager cares about. Each of them has different hot buttons. And we talk to our clients all the time about this in a great two and a half hour session called the federal sales game, how to play to win. And we go deeply into that unique for each company of what kind of message that people at different levels are going to be paying attention to be consistent offer something of value it might be a link to a white paper you might as well consider putting together some content maybe it's not yours maybe it's a third-party study maybe it's hey i just saw this article and i thought you might be interested so in some instances you're not necessarily going to do an email blast you might make it personal in other instances be courageous, be confident, share a competitor's study or perspective on something because that's really going to show you've got a lot of confidence in what you do and you know you're going to stand out and you're helping them be educated about the shape of the whole market. Be consistent. If you're sending out an e a regular email on the second Tuesday of the month, then show up on the second Tuesday of the month regularly. That's another trust builder. You're showing them, I am consistent. You can count on me. And make your email focused on their pain, their big issues. I recently saw a company and they said, oh, we're back. We haven't had an email letter in a long time. And look, we won this prize and we this and we that. And our CEO has been on ABC News and me, 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 me. And going, yeah, why would I care? So keep it tight. Keep it focused on pain. Keep it geared to the level and the issues of the person you're sending it to. Send it to people that you know and invite engagement. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super important, you know, not not only, you know, focusing on people you know and that want to be signed up for this stuff, but keeping it focused on their pain points. All super important stuff because I think when you get off into the tangents of things that they might be interested in, that's when you start to lose people, you know? So we regularly survey folks and say, Hey, you know, here's, here's 20 topics. What are you most interested in? You know, and that's, that's how we shape what podcasts we're going to do. That's how we shape what articles we're going to write or what webinars we're going to produce. We want to know what people are interested in because we don't want to create stuff that is, you know, it's a maybe, you know, and, and the same thing for you, you know, there's, there's no shame in asking what are the what are the 10 pain points even if you don't solve those pain points but like you said being able to see an article and go ah this is a pain point for my client let me send it to them you know i, I think it really really simple stuff super powerful stuff and I, I, as we start to wrap up here and get your final thoughts 
Um, you know, there's so many things we can be talking about, but I, I'd love to hear, you know, some of your final thoughts. You've, you've talked about the, your, your three-step process here, but maybe you've got some final thoughts on um, processes people can implement to stay in front of these buyers. So over to you for final thoughts. Of course. If there's three steps I want to encourage people to take, it's get your competitive research done. Know who buys, how they buy, how much they buy, and who they're buying from. Then learn the federal sales game. How do you get inside the heads and the offices of people who've never heard of you and are already doing business with somebody else? And create a focused federal sales action plan that is just concentrated on your highest prospect agencies and stay in there. This time of year, after October 1st, is a fabulous time to build relationships because nobody's spending money anyway. So update your past performance. Refresh it with your latest wins. Update your capability statement. Get it out there. Go back to your current clients. Thank them. Say, how are you doing? How did the year close out? Give us some feedback. We really appreciate your business. Ask for referrals and connections. They've got time to talk after the dust settles on the fiscal year that's just closing out. This is a great time to build those relationships because your best leads, your least expensive marketing is talking to people who already know you and love you. And the vast majority of our customers say that nobody ever asks them for referrals. So there you go. Hmm. No, it's really powerful because I, I often ask that question when I'm talking because we wind up in the situation just on behalf of our clients trying to learn things and you're talking to people. And it's amazing when I say th- this simple question, who else should I be talking to? Just that question. You know, they will say, oh, do you know Bob over here or Sue over there or whatever? Uh, there's a sister agency. Oh, there's my friend. Oh, hey, there's a person I met at a conference that does what I do. They will willingly just start giving names and I usually ask for the email intro. Hey, could you do an email intro for me? You know, something just that simple. And then and you're off to the races talking to this person you didn't even know existed. You didn't even know you should be looking for just by asking a simple question. Who should I be talking to? So I really love that. A ton of great wisdom on this episode today. So thank you so much, Judy, for being a guest. I really appreciate you being on here and, and look forward to having you on in the future. Michael, it's a real pleasure. And Michael, thank you so much for inviting me. I look forward to coming back. There's so much more that we can share with folks. Well, thank you so much, Judy. And I also want to take a minute to thank our listeners for joining us today on this episode. Remember, you can find every episode on iTunes. Just look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode. You can also learn more about each of our guests by by visiting the official Game Changers website at rsmfederal.com forward slash Game Changers where we'll have links to their websites, contact information, LinkedIn, all that kind of good stuff. Um, And last but not least, please visit our sponsor for today's episode, the Federal Access Program at rsmfederal.com forward slash FA for more information on how you can find and win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers.